Hi there, welcome to the first episode of Unfucked the Film Industry. I'm Gary Newman and I'm an Australian documentary maker. Now most people who work in the Australian film industry know that it's pretty fucked. We've been complaining about it for years, maybe even decades. I reckon at some point you've got to roll up your sleeves and try and do something about it. And that's what this podcast is about. I'm on a mission to unfuck the Australian film industry. And I'd like you to join me. Okay, so this first episode focuses on indie docos. But in future episodes, I'm going to rope in people with all kinds of filmmaking backgrounds so that we can hear what they've got to say. You're about to hear from an award-winning Australian documentary maker whose career spans more than three decades. I'm Daryl Delora. I'm a documentary film maker and a film producer. I'm interested in the collision between Australian politics and the law in, in key historical moments. Daryl's films include Mr Neil Has a Right to Be an Agitator, The Edge of the Possible, Jörn Utzen and the Sydney Opera House, as well as Harry Seidler, Modernist. He was also an executive producer on the 2015 comedy drama The Dressmaker, starring Kate Winslet. Daryl makes research and archival-based documentaries, and these are extremely difficult to get funding for. Now, I'm going to take a wild stab in the dark here, but if you're involved in the industry, I reckon Daryl's opinion on the state of indie filmmaking probably isn't going to come as much of a surprise. They're totally fucked. The independent film industry is completely marginalised, uh, doesn't really have a voice, and it uh, is you know, at the mercy of um, government who for years didn't care less about it, so, but now I think doesn't understand it. And that's, that's something which you can see, uh, you know, is understandable given that the neglect that's gone on and the, well, it's worse than neglect. It's been a, a deliberate policy of trying to push independent filmmakers out. Why? Because they're annoying, they're difficult, and they don't make any money. Uh, sometimes they come up with things which are um, a thorn in the side of government. They don't want to know about it. Like what? Ah, oh, well, um, you got right now. You've got a series of films out there about uh, Julian Assange. You've got films um, about refugees. These things, government, they don't want to support people doing that sort of work. That, they're just a couple of examples. I mean, there are, there are lots of films that get stopped. And at the moment, our film about the Palace Letters is looking very much like it was going to be one of them. All right, so I'm just going to jump in and get you up to speed here. Uh, Daryl's film is called The Search for the Palace Letters, which is about a famous recent High Court case to find out the truth about the British Crown's involvement in sacking the Australian Prime Minister in 1975. Now, this is actually something that could, in theory, still happen today. Incredibly, the combined financial support from Vic Screen, Screen West and ABC TV isn't enough for Daryl to complete the film. He's having to rely on philanthropic support to get it made. If you'd like to help, you can make a donation to his crowdfunding campaign on the Documentary Australia website. 
Simply Google the Search for the Palace Letters Documentary Australia and you'll find it. You know, there's no obvious positive for the bureaucrats in film funding bodies to support truly independent work because the work is likely to get, you know, under the skin of of powerful people. That blows back on film funding bodies. Um, It's likely not to make any money for them. They're just, where's the... Where's the upside for them, you know? Yep. So, so they're much... And also, it takes a lot of time to deal with all the independents that come through the door who've got maybe harebrained ideas or maybe good ideas. Who knows? They think, oh, my God, we have to deal with these people all the time. Hundreds of filmmakers that get put through film schools and think they actually can make films and they want to come and do it. Much better for us to deal with an executive producer from some company that just walks in with a slate of projects where they've all been things we've seen on TV or whatever before. We understand them totally. There's no need to explain. We only need, you know, a two-pager to describe the latest film Michael Mosley takes on diabetes or something because we saw his last one and we know exactly what that's going to be. And so that's a big, big motivator for these people. They say we can get six whole series of films put up to us by a big company and it's all decided. We know what they're going to be. We know exactly how they're going to work out and they're going to be okay. Um, And that's a real problem because it means that you don't have any innovation, you don't have anybody doing anything for the first time, you don't have people making mistakes. You've got to have things like that for an industry to progress and to grow and you've got to have younger people coming through. The headline seems to be that um, it's very difficult to make independent Australian films. Uh, Why should anyone care? Why should the public care about this? Well, you don't need to ask that question because the public do care. They, they do care about it. They want to see Australian films. They want to see Australian stories on TV. Um, the ratings for the few programs that we do have show show that. And it's been a consistent theme that people do want to know about their own country, their own people. Uh, and they want to know about the key stories in their history, uh, what it's what makes Australians Australians to know that. If you don't know that, if you think you're the 51st state of America and all I ever do is watch American product or if you just think you're part of the mother country and you just go back to the UK and always look at their stuff, you, you're no longer an Australian mm. because that, that identity is wrapped up in those stories. But more than that, with, with the stories that, that I've been telling... It's important political and legal material that we need to know about. We need to know exactly what happened. And because if we don't know about those stories, then we can never improve the situation for ourselves. According to Daryl, it wasn't always this way. Decades ago, it was possible to make independent documentaries and make a living from it. Things started to change in the 1990s when the commissioning policies of broadcasters like the ABC began to change. The so-called independent sector has actually been completely colonised by the big players, a handful of large companies, and 
it's not only not independent, but it's um, actually just delivering to the major broadcasters what they've already decided they want, and then they farm it out to these handful of big companies. Uh, now, that's a complete change from what happened in the industry when it first um, when the independent sector was first recognised in the late 70s and early 80s as a vibrant, important sector of activity that needed to be recognised by then the ABC and SBS as broadcasters, that they needed to screen these materials that were getting made and films that were getting uh, winning awards all over the world but had no place in their own home uh, other than you know, relatively successful but limited theatrical screenings. Uh, other than that, no one saw them in Australia, but they were highly successful films. So something had to be done about that, and it was done. However, what's happened now is that that's just turned around totally 180 degrees to being pretty much back to what it was before. But it seems to me that, you know, Documentaries of ne- intermittent docos have never really made money. Governments are probably looking at this and, and going, um, if we throw it into throw it to the market, like the, you know, it won't make a lot of money. So, so what's what's the rationale here? Well, I think you you put your finger on the really important point, and that is there has been an increasing assumption over the last twenty years or so, or probably even longer, that if you don't make money, that is if you're not a commercial operation, that you don't deserve to exist. And that is clearly not the case for filmmaking and the um, and should not be because we're talking about a cultural activity here, not something which is uh, has to be driven by the dollar. I mean, you probably wouldn't be in filmmaking if you just want to be making lots of money. You might go and buy a coal mine or something like that in years gone by at the very least. But um, so I don't think that is a key measure of whether or not you have a successful film industry, but it is often probably something that people bring up. The bottom line is if you don't have Australian stories being told by independent documentary makers who focus in on the important stories there rather than will this make me money or will this be a commercial venture Um, some things aren't going to be ever going to be commercial ventures but they are really important stories to tell i think what you're talking about here perhaps is cultural value the cultural value of something the contribution that um, a film or a piece of art makes to the culture of a country. Exactly. And I think that's, you know, incredibly important and it's not something you can necessarily measure. No. But you have to allow for that to take its own shape and um, develop itself rather than uh, being sort of boxed in by scaffolding that you can never get out of. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's super interesting because this idea of it contributing to culture is... You know, I've been thinking about this a lot, and culture is such a nebulous term, right? But, you know, if I were, if I were to try and get a bit more specific, um, I would say that, like, well, you know, um, national identity is an aspect 
I actually think national identity is something that Australians kind of struggle with a little bit as well. Yeah. Like, I'm not sure where we necessarily have a crystal clear idea of who we are as a country and what we stand for, I think. Now, the, the government, the federal government, has just released its cultural policy. Okay, so I'm just going to jump in again to add a bit of context. The Albanese government's cultural policy is called Revive, a place for every story, a story for every place. It came out in February 2023, and it's basically a five-year plan to revive the arts in Australia. It includes a requirement for streaming services to screen a minimum amount of Australian content. And there's some great stuff in there, but there's nothing in there that, to me, indicates that they're going to do anything meaningful that's going to make it easier for independent films to be produced and for independent filmmakers to contribute to our culture. Yeah, I think uh, my understanding, again, I've looked at it closely, but I think that is true. I don't think, I think policymakers have real problems with the film sector generally. So it's not seen as an artistic practice, it's seen as an industry and that therefore it gets pushed into this area of what it's got to make money, it's got to be a business you know, model, uh, when in fact, the sort of practitioners we're talking about, the independent documentary maker, uh, isn't, that's not their primary focus at all. And often they come from really important community areas where they want to tell a particular story and they're passionate about telling that story. And you actually, you know, get enormous amount more from people like that than you do from commercial industry. You know, people are, are putting in the hard yards for long periods of time to produce their films um, in a way that you would never see people in commercial industry do. Uh, and so we totally undervalue those people. They, they offer enormous amount to the community and uh, they get sort of sidelined in policy terms as well because there's just not anywhere really for them to fit in. They don't fit in neatly into any any policy area. So that's something that really needs to be addressed, I think. And, um, you know, unless we do that, we're in real dire, uh, you know, need of having those people and they're going to disappear. In Australia, there is literally no career path for a filmmaker. The, one of the, the, the strong statistics over the years has been that something like 70% of first-time directors never make another film. Yeah, I probably won't make another one. So, it, well, it, it's a tragedy because a huge amount of time and effort goes into getting that person to that point. Okay, so the next bit of the conversation is about an experience that I had at the Australian International Documentary Conference, which happens once a year. Um, the purpose of the conference is essentially to connect filmmakers with industry representatives who may wish to buy their documentaries. The commissioning editor from Netflix said to a room full of filmmakers, people like you essentially, we need to get some scaffolding around like emerging filmmakers. Well, the... The likelihood is that those young filmmakers that are encouraged to go, um, you know, start climbing that scaffolding are not going to bring with them their independent ideas. They're going to become part of a system that 
uh, creates product of various sorts. And that's fine. If you want to do that sort of work, then fantastic. You know, there's, there are opportunities there and for, for you to do it. It yeah. can be rewarding. No doubt it can be. Mm. However, if you're a filmmaker that doesn't want to do that, who, who has their own ideas about where they want to go with their practice and they want to make a certain sort of film or a specific film, I really am motivated and impassioned to make this film about this topic. That, that's incredibly difficult because people, you have to find someone who's a gatekeeper to money who actually totally understands you and agrees with your ideas and your vision about that project. Uh, and that's a really difficult thing. They're, those people virtually don't exist. Mm. So, uh, you know, and everything sort of pushes in the other direction. Uh, it's it's a difficult thing, but what it comes down to is there needs to be recognition at a government level that that sector of the industry should be nurtured and supported because some of our greatest filmmakers come from that sector. Uh, people who move immediately into the established filmmaking industry, commercial industry, if you like, um, are going to make films which conform to a particular kind of filmmaking. And that's, as I said, there's nothing wrong with that. But you, you're not going to get a huge amount of innovation happening there. Well, where's the, where's the number of the issue here? Well, I think it all, um, you know, it gets back to the, the people who are working in this area. They've got to push for change that's basically what has to happen i mean i don't blame the politicians and the policy makers they they're out of touch with that group they don't know, they don't know they even exist probably so they're not going to create policy that actually reflects that community of people who are working because they're unaware of their work and that's where that group needs to push for change sounds like you're talking about collective action daryl See, the problem for a lot of independent doco makers is that they aren't interested in any of this stuff. They're yes. utterly focused on their work. They're looking for their next dollar that can help them do it, um, but they're not going to write submissions to... They might write submissions to inquiries about the subject matter of the film they're working on because they're utterly passionate about that, but probably not to something like that cultural review. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's it's a difficult area to, to pull those people together. Uh, and everything sort of mitigates against it too because nobody wants to be seen to be um, attacking or biting the hand that feeds them or um, asking for changes when they just think they might have just managed to secure their next budget through a particular course of you know, pulling together of threads. You know, as you know, I'm thinking of setting up a, a body that can do just this, represent not just the interests of Australian filmmakers. I think it's bigger than that. I think it's the public interest in general um, because, you know, I, my personal view is that uh, the settings around, you know, industry settings and policy settings around the creative industries specifically... Um, 
you know, we've been focusing on documentary. I think I think commerciality has taken precedence over the public interest, and I believe that very strongly. But look, I I, I want to set something like that up, and and that's part of what this podcast is about, actually, to engage filmmakers, to engage that community, and try and mobilise them towards change. Oh, I think it's a very a very noble idea and a good idea, and one whose time has come. Are you going to join my new representative body, Daryl? Sure, you just tell me uh... where to sign. Yeah. When I was listening back to this episode, it kind of sounded like I'm starting a union, but I reckon maybe it's more like a professional association. Anyway, whatever it is, I've just nabbed my first member. If I get three more, I can create an incorporated association. Then nothing's going to stop me. Look out, Canberra, there's a new lobby group in town. To learn more, visit unfuckthefilmindustry.com.au. Remember to subscribe so you know when the new episodes come out. And if you've got any thoughts to share, please send me an email. Gary at unfuckthefilmindustry.com.au. That's Gary with one R. Thanks for listening in.